What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome one, welcome all. It is Tuesday, February 7th, 2023, 7.02 p.m. Central Standard Time on the dot, which means we are live here on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel for this week's Blog and the Boys Roundtable. You can, of course, watch us live or watch us after the fact at your own convenience on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel. Please do subscribe. Uh, you can listen to the show on the Blog and the Boys podcast number. You can, of course, check out many fantastic articles at blogandtheboys.com. All throughout the Blog and the Boys universe is where you will find tonight's wonderful contestants. My name is RJ Ochoa. Uh, speaking of the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel, by the way, earlier today on Tuesday, I had an interview with Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence. Everybody go check that out. We will have interviews sprinkled throughout the week. Some Cowboys related, some not. That's just kind of the way the Super Bowl goes. Uh, a little birdie told me that somebody who led the interception, uh, led the NFL in interceptions a year ago is scheduled to stop by uh, and talk some Dallas Cowboys things. But we'll get there when we get there. Here with me tonight, the one and only Tony Catalina. Tony, you did not lead the NFL in interceptions a year ago. Is that true or false? That is absolutely true. Um, do you think you could record an interception in the NFL? Like even off of a Easily. Easy. Oh, you say me get one? Yeah. I could throw one for sure. Well, you were you were you know dropping dimes and throwing dots on Thanksgiving. I saw your Instagram yeah. story, so don't act like you're going to be prone to interceptions. You know, think more highly of yourself. Unlike the way you tweet, I'm still not I'm still not 100 percent from Thanksgiving, so that's a once a year thing for me. <laughs> um, David Howman has joined us from his uh, private island, or maybe he is filming season 45 of Survivor with Jeff Probst. Um, he is on Twitter at underscore dh44 underscore. I hate having to say that out loud, Howman. Why haven't you changed it yet? Well, whoever uh, got to the just the regular DH44 before me refuses to give it up. So if you can go ahead and swing that deal for me, then it'll be done. Why don't you border it, the DH with 44s? Have you ever tried that? Like 44 DH44? That's a lot of fours. <laughs> That's too uh, many fours. It's four of them. You would be tipping on four fours, literally. Uh, so I suggest that you do that. Carlos, by the way, on YouTube uh, says five points to RJ for owning he forgot to turn on his camera during the Lawrence interview, LOL. Uh, I did let everybody know at the beginning of that video, I told these guys right before we started the roundtable, Trevor Lawrence was super cool. And um, I explained the particulars, Brandon, of why I had my camera off accidentally with Trevor Lawrence. He was very kind and courteous about it. Um, but my story was believable. Like, was it not? Like, it, it was, uh, or I think you were, were you out when I explained that, Brandon? It was an understandable mistake as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I missed it because, you know, the internet gremlins always get me. Mm. So you got to tell the story for me real quick and for the audience. I will. Uh, now that Danny Phantom is here, Danny, welcome to the party here. Just a little bit late. Did you see Dan? Daniel? I don't even know. Uh, did you see uh, the lack of me in the Trevor Lawrence interview? No, I did not. I was just explaining very quickly um, that we recorded that interview over Zoom. Um, and typically when you do something like this, um, in this case, Trevor Lawrence's PR people were on the call too, cause they're doing their job and documenting everything. So if anyone has ever recorded a zoom call, you can't do the gallery view because it will record everything. Right. And we, you know, no offense to the PR people. We don't need those people on camera. We barely need me, but we need Trevor Lawrence. So I did the speaker view 
And when you do the speaker view, it it flips to whoever is speaking. That's what it shows you, whoever's audio, but it doesn't show you yourself. So I was focused on Trevor trying to be a professional and completely missed the fact uh, that um, that I was absent. Does that sound passable to you, Danny Phantom? RJ, I, honestly, I'm pretty sure that you handled it the as smooth as anyone could. So mm-hmm. um, Danny knows how to play this game. Well done, Danny. By the way, uh, Watsamata says the collective IQ of the panel just doubled right when you joined, Danny. So uh, congratulations wow. to you for improving us. By the way, Dan, I'm going to say, because I don't know if anybody has, your haircut looking good, man. You look sharp. Uh, so I don't know who... Who did it? But you got the right guard. You got the right numbers and everything. You look good. You are the early favorite for tonight's roundtable winner. Wow. I don't know what to say about that. That's the uh, first time everyone's ever complimented me on my appearance. So thank you, RJ. I'm here to serve. Uh, Kevin Wolf says, good evening, Phantom. See the crowd loving you, Danny Phantom, tonight. Look at that. I mean, I think you know, it is making an entrance. A late entrance is the way to go. Maybe. Um, Tony Catalina, do you feel slighted that nobody in the crowd is like happy to see you, I guess? Yeah, I mean, that, that hurts my feelings a little bit, but I'll be all right. Um, wow. Okay. Uh, so um, the Super Bowl is this week. Actually, Danny, uh, to hype you up just a little bit, Danny does such a great job every year making – I don't even know how to how to frame this, Danny. I, I don't want to steal your thunder. Can you please let everybody know what you've made, where to find it, where to access it, because it does improve people's Super Bowl experience. Yeah, well, right now – so what I've made is every year, and I've been doing this for – 27 years and i actually considered not doing it this year and it's weird and i don't believe in i don't believe in curses but i started this right after the cowboys last super bowl win against the steelers and how, to me i don't know i'm starting to think is this is this curse so maybe if i just don't do it this year then mm-hmm. maybe but anyway nonetheless i had requests and so i i got it together basically it's just a game it's just a you know, if you're like me and you have a Super Bowl party with a bunch of friends, it's a way to just kind of spice things up. I know our wives love it. There's things about commercials and halftime entertainment. So it's not just all, you know, football knowledge. So, but it's, it's a fun game. Um, I've been doing it a long time. Right now, you can only find it on Twitter. Um, you can go to, uh, you know, at Danny Phantom 24 and find it. I, but it will be coming out, um, you know, later in the week at Blogging the Boys. So stay tuned for that but uh definitely if you're having a super bowl party it's something that you're not going to regret having for the super bowl mm, awesome well done um we can talk all the super bowl cliches like foods and stuff like that i was actually tasked today i hadn't told anybody uh by uh the big bosses at sb nation to write a halftime show review on sunday so i am i can honestly say i've never been in charge of that so david howman um you and i share a, a musical sort of taste uh, what is your favorite Rihanna song? Just to kind of set me in the right frame of mind before my assignment. I, I got to go with one of the old school songs. Disturbia has always been my favorite oh, Rihanna song. Man, I, Danny, I know you were the favorite, but holy crap. Hellman coming in off the top rope. My goodness gracious. Um, wow, that was awesome. Uh, I was going to go like, please don't stop the music or we found love or maybe even uh, Umbrella, but Disturbia is such a great song. Man, you, Talman, the power of music, you just transported me like all over the place. I don't even know what to do with myself at this point. Uh, Brandon, what is your favorite Rihanna song? Uh, is, is that the last of song? I think that's- I That think is that's a Rihanna song. Look at you go. <laughs> wow. I, 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 know other, I know other music besides my uh, my Megadeth and the other, other hard rock band. So I, I, I can't believe I even knew that. Wow. Uh, Tony, um, as we get ready to talk football things, uh, you've gotten a lot of love from the crowd. Uh, Daryl comes in and says, I'm in Tony's corner. Good takes close to that of my own. You are truly the the man of the people. You are the people's champion, Tony Catalina. I try to be, you know, I try to be a relatable guy. So I think it's working. Um, 
you are again just a, a super 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 relatable person tony catalina well done um okay so we're going to talk uh some super bowl things as they relate to the cowboys because we're all frustrated that the cowboys are not in the super bowl i think everybody um shares in that particular uh sentiment by the way rachel catalina i wonder who this is says i think i'm tony's biggest fan uh so um yeah, she's on hey. the payroll. So, <laughs> uh, wow. Um, so, okay, but this subject has been floating around. There have been some internet rumors. Um, like just just to kind of throw a very very uh, wide net on this. Um, obviously, people are speculating and pontificating and just kind of generally chatting about the idea of Zeke Elliott taking a pay cut potentially to stay with the Cowboys. Tony Pod, whether or not the Cowboys are going to place the franchise tag on him. I did not prep you guys for this. We are going to get to what I prepped you on. Uh, but I do want to go around the horn here. That is a trademark phrase. Nobody's ever used that term to go around a group of people in a sports conversation. Um, so, Tony Catalina, you start us off. We're going to go in clockwise order. What do you do about the two top running backs with the Dallas Cowboys? Keep cut. What What is your combination of situations? And the options, obviously, are to keep Zeke Elliott on his contract as it lies, restructure him, and nobody needs the exact pennies or dollars or anything, but that's that's what you would do or cut him. And Tony Pollard, you would tag him. You would work at a long-term deal. You would let him walk. What is the combination of things that you would do, Tony Catalina? You know, I, I could see them doing a, a bunch of different things, right? I think the right idea is probably not the idea that they're going to go with. Um, you know, they could go cold turkey, get rid of Zeke Elliott, you know, start fresh with no Tony Pollard with the franchise tag. But what I think they're going to do is they're kind of half-stepping a little bit. I think they're going to give Tony Pollard the franchise tag. And I think Zeke Elliott is going to end up being a cap casualty. You know, you know, thank you for your service. But they move on from that that chapter of this, uh, this football team. And I could see Tony Pollard being the guy with, you know, um, they got Malik Davis back there. They may even draft somebody this year to kind of pair him. And then I could see them kind of just cut and bait completely come 2024 where it's not Tony Pollard or Ezekiel Elliott. And uh, we're looking at a different, completely different uh, backfield there. Um, so just to be clear, because this is what you would do. You would cut Zeke and tag Pollard. Is that correct? I think I would. I think I would at least keep your most dynamic playmaker on the field if it's 10 million dollars what you're going to cut zeke elliott for almost a wash in that situation and then 2024 might be a completely different uh backfield back there um okay david howman tony catalina is on team cut zeke and team tag pollard kevin wolf says on the fence with pollard i feel like zeke has to go even bringing him back on the cheap is still a bad idea howman to set you up i've said and this is unfortunate. Like none of us want to sit here and say like, cut this player, fire this person. Like nope, nobody is rooting for anybody's life to be negatively impacted. We're all just talking football here. Uh, but Howman, I will be kind of impressed with Mike McCarthy if Zeke Elliott is cut, is released. I mean, that will uh, kind of be Mike McCarthy, sort of Walter White, you know, after Gus Fring, I won sort of moment, um, at least in my estimation. Yeah, I I think that that's exactly what it would be calling back to Breaking Bad. Um, it would be a bit of a surprise. I don't think that either of these players are going to end up playing somewhere else next year. I just think that's how the Cowboys will handle it. But if it were up to me, I would let both of them go. I would uh, just let Tony Pollard go out on the open market. I would cut Zeke and get those almost $11 million in savings. Um, and I mean, the reason being we've seen all around the league we've, that you can find really productive running backs pretty much anywhere. You can find them for really cheap and free agency. You can find him in the middle of the draft. Malik Davis was an undrafted player. And when he came in and played, you know, this past year as a rookie, he looked pretty good. I mean, Tony Pollard was a fourth round pick and he was, he's been so much more than Zeke has been the last few years. And so, I mean, the Cowboys have shown that they know how to draft running backs. They know how to find that talent, whether it's in the free agent market. Remember Darren McFadden coming in and rushing for a thousand yards 
his one year in Dallas. Um, you know, they, they've been able to find good running back talent without spending a ton of capital on it, whether it be dollars or draft picks. So I would suggest doing that again and not wasting money on a position that you really don't need to spend a whole lot on. So you just, Howman's idea is let them both walk, right? And um, spoiler alert uh, for tomorrow's episode of the NFC's mixtape, Brandon Gowton of Bleeding Green Nation suggested that the proper thing with Tony would be to let him hit the open market. Let, let him let him test those waters, especially coming off the injury. And if you are able to, you know, maybe even to get him back on a long-term deal on the cheap, you know, that works out for you. We're all assuming he's going to get the proverbial bag. But Howman, you would let them, are you letting Pollard walk? Because are you are you at all spooked by Michael Gallup and, and everything? Or is it is it completely independent of that? Um, I mean, I, I'm not necessarily spooked by Michael Gallup, but more so that is kind of uh, uh, supporting evidence to the fact that when a player is coming off a bad injury like that, you don't want to then commit a bunch of money to them and then also plan on the fact that, oh, they're going to come back, they're going to be ready by the start of the season, and they're going to be just like they were before they got hurt. Um, I, I just think that's, you know, that's always been a risky proposition, and the Cowboys just got bit by it with Gallup, and they could be bit again with Pollard. Uh, Carlos has given you five points, David Howman, for reminding everyone that Darren McFadden did play for the Dallas Cowboys. That was a very special 2015 season. Tony, uh, a big thank you to Watsamata, who gave us a $10 super chat, says, I was inspired by Tony C's SM7B Mike. Should, talking about the Cowboys in the running back situation, lose both, will keep both. So thank you, Watsamata, for the super chat. Brandon, I throw it to you. Nobody so far has said, I want to keep Zeke. I understand that we all think that they will, but what would Brandon Clements do? What I would do is, and I, I'm definitely going to be on my own private island, I feel like, with this one, I would keep both if the price is right. Tony Power gets the franchise tag. You know, he's going to get account for like roughly $10 million and change for the franchise tag. And if I would ask Zeke, hey, take a pay cut or you're gone. Assuming Zeke wants to take the pay cut, which, you know, it doesn't seem like he, he's against it. So if we can get that salary down, maybe two thirds to, you know, maybe like a five, like a five million dollar, uh, you know, per season uh, number. I think that's I think that's a good deal. I know a lot of I, I think I know a lot of a lot of people really want, you know, fresh blood. I, I've, I've seen mock drafts with uh, Bijan Robinson, the first round pick right. for the Cowboys. I just I, I, I can't see that. That's way too rich. We've 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 gone through this with Zeke Elliott. He had a couple of good years, but I just think drafting a running back that high is, is something I wouldn't do. Now, I, I did have an article that came out today on our site, and you know, I did name three running backs that I would target. And I, I would do that solely based on what they do with, with these guys. If, if Tony Power gets a franchise tag and Zeke gets a franchise tag, they may not even go for a running back in the draft. But there are some options, and maybe day two, day three, you know, players I've, I've mentioned, I've mentioned a few of the guys on the, on the article, you know, Sean, Sean Tucker's a name. Uh, um, Mo uh, Ibrahim, he's another name that those are guys and Mo Ibrahim is kind of like a Zeke clone anyways. He can play the, he's, you know, he's a very powerful runner. So that, that could possibly happen, but, and I, and I'm just going to run the numbers here. I, I was, I was looking, I was going back to the 2022 rookie class. So this year's this past year's rookie class. And I compared Zeke's numbers to, to this rookie class and, you know, yardage wise, he was fifth amongst, he would be, if, if he was in the rookie class, he would rank fifth. And then among rookies with 100, 100 attempts minimum, he would have ranked seventh. And then yards per game, he would have ranked seventh as well. And then here's the one that I think, you know, that's this is the kicker for me. He had 12 touchdowns uh, this past year, mm. which would have ranked number one uh, amongst all rookie running backs and up there in the league uh, lead for rushing touchdowns this year anyways. So if the number can come down, you know, I would, you know, cut it down to like two thirds. 
uh, that's I'm all in. But if if Zeke says no way, this is this is where we're at, then you cut him. But I, I think Zeke's gonna take the pay cut. Power's gonna get the franchise tag, and then you know the Cowboys can just go after other other positions in need in the draft and not worry about a running back in 2023. Danny Phantom, um, last week's episode of the Star Seminar with you and Rabble Rouser, I thought should have been titled Fixer Upper because of the different power tools and things that you used in, in terms of how you approach different sectors of the Cowboys roster. Would you uh, say that you would indeed take a sledgehammer to this position? Again, that reference makes sense to people. If they go listen to your episode, they should. Um, but um, you have been pretty anti-Zeke, not in a critical way, but in a like football way. Like, dude, I don't want, you know, Brandon mentioned the 12 touchdowns. Okay, they were all extremely short yardage situations. Do we think Malik Davis couldn't do that, Danny? Yeah, no, I I have been anti-Zeke and and it's and honestly over his career I've been one of the most you know pro Zeke guys he could find because I mean I love Zeke and we all love Zeke too and I think you know he remember he's he's made 70 million career earnings so as far as anybody nobody should feel sorry for Zeke or anything I would not consider even a pay restructure. I'm think I think we just call it good, and it's simply because I really think that he's just lost his juice, and I really think that's easily supplemented by, you know, young young rookie, uh, even Malik. I think could could would be fine. I don't think that Zeke gives us. I know he does these some of these things very underrated, short yardage stuff, pass protecting. Definitely don't want to discount that, but no, I definitely move on from Zeke. I think the tougher thing is what to do with Tony Pollard, and I honestly. I could, I could go both ways. I mean, I've just written articles about how the Cowboys should hit the reset button and do what the champions have been doing and finding other cheaper means to to get your running game um, because it's just, you know, teams could be successful without having those premier backs. And the Cowboys certainly could go that way. I do like Tony Pollard. I When you, the Cowboys said, there's a short list of, of explosive players on this roster. And I'm not really in favor. We talked about this at the last round table is I'm not, you know, thrilled about getting rid of one of those players. So I don't have any issues with the Cowboys tagging him. And I, I feel like a, be, a good plan would be to go with Pollard for a year and, um, you know, and draft somebody, not early, but draft somebody, pair him with Malik and look around and play around. And I think that should be enough with the running game. I don't think um, the Cowboys need to be doing anything else, but we definitely got to release Zeke and be done with that. If the Cowboys decided to go move away from Pollard, I mean, even and they're not, but I would be okay with that too because I think you can do more with your resources to help this offense. Kevin gave you five points, Danny. Said, when do we feel good about Zeke touching the ball anymore? Unfortunately, he would just be taking productive touches from other players, and that's ultimately what this boils down to. Would you rather give a touch to Zeke to Malik Davis? I mean, we had that conversation literally in the playoff loss against the San Francisco 49ers. So uh, we'll see. By the way, for everyone listening or watching, Danny mentioned the last round table. Uh, we are, I'm, I don't say changing the roundtables, but it's the off season. So we're cycling some things in and we're going to have some different people hosting roundtables. Brandon Laurie hosted last week's Tony's going to get one in. He refused to do next week's Tony, uh, Rachel, if you're watching specifically for you, uh, because next Tuesday is in fact Valentine's day. Uh, but Brandon Laurie will be in the host chair next week. Um, you know, I don't know what the situation is, you know, his household, but that's, that's a, a question for Brandon Laurie to have to answer. Not me. Um, I gave all of you prompts, I actually gave you choices, uh, in terms of, uh, things to kind of defend or things to sort of talk about. Um, obviously, the Super Bowl is on Sunday. You can't help but compare the Cowboys to the Eagles, certainly given the fact that they're NFC East rivals, the Chiefs are the Chiefs, and they're sort of the gold standard of, of the last half decade in the NFL. Um, and we all want to see the Cowboys get to this level, Tony Catalina. You actually wanted the subject that you'll let Danny Phantom have, so we'll get to him in a little bit. But, Tony, your prompt was that the Cowboys are going to learn from these two teams 
and that they are going to be aggressive as a result. Um, I think that everyone here is going to roll their eyes at that idea. Uh, but please tell us why that is wrong and why the Cowboys are, in fact, going to uh, get up off the couch like Sarit in Survivor uh, many, many moons ago. You know, I think it's if you're not going to take what you've seen over the last few years and try to build around that or at least take some of it, it's foolish. I think it's you're you're, you're banging your head into a wall to say we're just going to purely draft and we're going to do it the way that just hasn't worked for what going on 28 years now. So I think to see your biggest rival in the Super Bowl with a very good chance i believe they're favorites to win the super bowl doing it the way that they have you know you know being aggressive in free agency being aggressive in the in you know the trade market and things of that nature um and then you look at the way the chiefs have built right i mean they got the star quarterback but they've been unafraid to make moves and make plays and do different things and and even on the other side of things they got rid of tyree kill which is their most explosive player so the chiefs have been you know taking chances with talent acquisition and the way they handled their roster. I think the Cowboys are going to take a step back, look at this situation and understand that, you know, th what we have done hasn't worked. I think they showed us in season a little bit of a little bit more aggression, their attack of OBJ and that kind of rollout their attack of how they want and got T.Y. Hilton, the way they were looking at the cornerback position. I just felt like we're used to roster churning a little bit for this team during the season because that's just a natural thing for the NFL. But at the same time, they did it with more like urgency, more understanding that they were, were looking for some type of piece or spark to put them over the edge. Now they have a whole off season and they have years now at this point, right? A few years in a row where there have been substantial evidence to prove that these teams have gone in, made a play, and it's got them to the promised land, whether they win it or not they've gotten closer and further than us so they don't have to abandon their plan they just need to build upon it and take from their peers a better plan of attack um david hellman so let's say the eagles win the super bowl tony mentioned that they're favorites they're currently a point point and a half depending on what book you look at um eagles won the super bowl five years ago right how did the cowboys respond in the offseason david hellman jason witten retired for the first time and they cut des bryant that that was literally the year that we compared to this past offseason, right? Like that was literally the lowest point, I guess, that we could kind of come up with over the last decade, so to speak, from a roster building standpoint. That was maybe the least aggressive that we ever saw them be the last time that the Eagles were in the Super Bowl. So I'm not trying to pick on Tony's argument, but the, the data, the evidence suggests that the Cowboys are in no way going to be inspired by the fact that their most bitter rival is here. Yeah, I, I think it would be pretty surprising if they did actually change their ways um, you know, one thing that it takes to learn is to be smart. And I don't think that this is a very smart front office in the way that they build this, this roster. Um, obviously Will McClay has done a tremendous job of drafting, but you know, even then, you know, there's, there's been misses, there's been some flaws in the way that they value certain positions and, and just in the way that they, you know, just an off season ago, completely misread the wide receiver market when they were trading Amari Cooper. So, you know, they, yeah, they were a little bit more aggressive during the season. I think that some of that is just reflective of Mike McCarthy kind of gaining a little more influence. And I think he's getting a lot more influence now that he's going to be in charge of the offense going forward. Um, I think when you're talking about being aggressive, we might see just an aggressive mentality in terms of how the offense is run instead of running Zeke into a brick wall on first and second down and then asking Dak to bail you out in third and eight. Um, so that might be a way they get more aggressive, but I don't see it coming from the top down. 
Mm. Brandon Clements. Uh, we got a comment here from Matthew. Uh, I think it's Roffin. Hope I don't wanna, I'm not mispronouncing that, Matthew. He says, Jerry traded a first-round pick midseason for a wide receiver not long ago. That was five years ago now this season, obviously. Do I want them to be more aggressive? Yes. Don't act like they don't do anything. Brandon, do you feel like it is unfair to say the Cowboys are not aggressive? I would say they are aggressive to a, a decent degree. I, I do think – I think they tempered a little bit, especially in free agency where they, you know, they go to the bargain bin and they, you know, they, they go to the clearance rack and get the discounted players and they, they've, they've made, you know, they've done some, done really well in that. But I, I think, I think when I, and, the, and that question was good because every, I feel like every time, at least the last three times the Cowboys have, have given up capital for a receiver, it really hasn't worked out that well. I mean, Joey Galloway, I don't think that worked out very well last time I checked. Roy Williams, the receiver, that didn't work so well. And obviously the Amara Cooper situation, you know, you know, that wasn't that great either. So it's, and, and if you want to talk about trades, Morris Claiborne on, on, on draft day, you know, that's, that's, that wasn't a great trade either. Morris Claiborne was, you know, he was an okay player at times, but what they gave up to, to get him at, at the draft, it, it's it, to me, I think, I think what they do is they, they, they're very, they're aggressive to a degree, but they, they don't go too far out of the realm and I'm okay with it because I don't really care for the FM picks that the, uh, the, the Rams were going to talk about. You know, they, they had those t-shirts made up because look at how bad the Rams are now. Sure. They won the Super Bowl, but how long is it going to take for them to be competitive again? So I, I don't, I don't mind the 12 and five records, you know, the last two years, you know, if they got to tweak a few things, I say attack it in the draft. That's the, that's the key. And then, and, and fill some hole, fill some holes that way and, and not worry about overpaying for a, a free agent. Anthony, you know, just a two part rebuttal to that, because what you're saying makes a lot of sense. But I think it frustrates me and a lot of Cowboys Nation is so we've listed their track record of the mistakes they made. And now they're afraid to make them because of that. So that's like you're you're snake bitten by your own mistake. So that's something that like good teams who think clearly and logically don't like aren't moving like that right those those situations aren't affecting your draft picks or your money at this point you're just not making moves because you're afraid to make moves that you made prior it sounds like a lack of confidence in that and then secondly i think all of us after a 28 year hiatus would take a few down years if it guaranteed us a super bowl i mean i think i would trade that in in a heartbeat because we've done it without a trade and we've you know been in this situation for so long um along these lines. Um, I heard Michael Gelkin bring this up in the uh, the Dallas Morning News Cowboys podcast. I was thinking that I, I hadn't really thought about this. Um, so, Danny, this is going to be your question. But if anybody does, anybody know the last second round pick, this last Cowboys second round pick to earn a second contract with the team? Obviously, Trayvon Diggs is eligible this season, and we all assume he's going to get a second deal. Does anybody know uh, the last one? Was it Bruce Carter? It was not. Um, I mean, you're you're a little bit too far. <laughs> so. Um, so uh, give us again, a year. What, what we're, year we're just we're just reaching the point where the class of 2020 second round picks are eligible for new deals. Obviously, the first round picks are too, but um, you know, so so Tra- that's why Trayvon Diggs, Jalen, Jalen, Jalen Smith. So 2019, they did not have a first round pick. It was Tristan Hill. He did not get a second contract with the team in 2018. It was Connor Williams. He did not get a second contract with the team in 2017. It was Chidobe Awuze. He did not get a second contract with the team. I don't think any of us would have been miffed had they given second you know contracts to Connor Williams or to Cheeto. Uh, they did give one to Jalen Smith. That's the one. <laughs> That's the one that they were forward thinking on, thinking like we're going to get ahead of this, et cetera, et cetera. They did, if we go a little bit further, give one to Randy Gregory. I mean, you can define that weirdly. Obviously, the type of second contract is a little bit unique. And in 2014, I think 2014 is the last like great example 
Demarcus Lawrence has even earned a third contract, obviously, with the team since then. Um, so yeah, like, okay, cool. You're getting four years of service for these players, but like, is it worth it? And I'm not sitting here saying like trade your second round pick, but like to Hellman's point, Danny, like the thing that they think that they are really good at the reason why they don't need to be aggressive. They're kind of really bad at, I mean, you know, like maybe this is the year to, to kind of cash this second round coin in because you're not doing much with it on your own. Yeah. And first and off, just to I, be, just to be clear next year, it would be Kelvin Joseph. So like, I don't think that we're thinking that's going to happen either at this rate. Yeah. First off, I just wanted to uh, I wanted to rebut Tony's rebut, and uh, I just wanted to say that he's absolutely right. That I mean, I agree with him in the sense of that should not be your reason to not do it. But what should be your reason to not do it is the majority of teams are fail when they do that. So it's not we we only remember talk about the Rams' success or the times that the Eagles. We're not talking about you know what all the like the Giants' miserable. All their attempts, or Washington, or even Cleveland. Look what Denver did. Would you rather? The- would you rather be Denver today, Danny? No, they, I, they've, I, they've gone seven years since winning the Super Bowl without making the playoffs. Would you rather be them since 2015 or the Cowboys? I wouldn't rather be anybody. I like the way the Cowboys do things. Uh, I do think that you know, to, to the, the initial question about aggressiveness, though, I feel like I do think the Cowboys could get in trouble by doing that because most teams do get in trouble when they do that. But another thing that about it too is I think that the Cowboys. One of the things that, um, I mean, obviously we know what their strengths are and we know what how they're going to go about their roster building. But I, I think the, the thing that makes me think that they could be aggressive a little bit is because they might be questioning what can they get from Prescott in the sense of does do we need to give him more help? I remember they took Ezekiel Elliott fourth overall because they wanted to give Tony Romo more help. That was a pick for Romo. And, you know, they want to take some pressure off of him so he's not have to do everything, you know. Uh, but so I, I see that's the only way I can feel that the Joneses would step out of themselves and like, let's just do something a little bit different and maybe take a chance uh, this time. Or otherwise, I agree with them. No, they're not going to change who they are. They're not going to go about it any differently. But um, it, it's they could do something a, a little bit different in the sense of just trying to to bolster and give give uh, some help around um, Dak. Hellman, you politely raised your hand. Yeah, I just wanted to say you brought up Denver. I know for a fact Jerry Jones would rather be in Denver's shoes right now because they have Sean Payton. <laughs> That's a, a really funny way to put that. Uh, Brandon, did you raise your hand or were you disagreeing? Yeah, no, I, I just kind of, I just wanted to kind of follow up. I think the aggressiveness. I think the reason why they temper that is they they trust Will McClay in the scouting department and and they, and they do a pretty darn good job of of getting some talented players. I mean, in one draft alone, the first two picks were. C.D. Lamb and, and, and Trayvon Diggs. And then look at look at uh, Deron Bland in the fifth round this year. I mean, the Cowboys have been a pretty decent team drafting, and they're one of the younger teams in the league, you know, per age. And they had Jason Peters on the team, who was second behind Tom Brady, you know, for uh, age in the league this past year. So for me, I don't think the I don't think the aggressive I think they turned the aggressiveness down because they trust Will McClay, they trust the scouting team, and I don't th- I think they're they bank on that more than. I don't want to give up all these picks where I, I feel like I can get more for those picks instead of going to get one player to maybe, maybe make a run. Mm. Okay. So, uh, Tony, I mentioned that you did not get the topic that you wanted. Um, you fought valiantly on behalf of your second choice. Did Tony convince anybody just so we're clear, I'm going to pick the winner at the end of this, but did, was anybody like convinced that the Cowboys are going to be aggressive because of what Tony said, Talman, you shook your head. Danny, you shook your head. Brandon doesn't seem like you're a team. Tony, Tony, did you convince yourself? Are you living your lie? I'm convinced, but if you look at Tampa Bay, the Rams, the Eagles, what do they all have in common in the last three years? So I mean, again, 
that's a separate point though than whether or not the Cowboys are going to do it. So you are living your lie. By the way, love the way you lie does feature Rihanna. Um, just to go back to the subject of Rihanna songs. Um, so, but maybe you love the way. Uh, I, one of my favorite lines ever is in that song uh, when Eminem says, "I guess that's why they call it window pane." That is one of the most clever things I've ever heard. Uh, Danny Phantom, uh, you took Tony's uh, topic, and it was that the Cowboys are capable of being in the Super Bowl next season you have written about this the article is not out yet we're going to go and do the fancy embed the article uh or in the episode in the article thing so everybody go to blog on the boys.com on wednesday and check it out uh by the way check out the blog on the boys podcast and youtube channel demarcus Ware slated to stop by uh so be on the lookout everybody maybe he will be yeah i wouldn't i guess he won't have the gold jacket but he'll be part of the hall of fame class hopefully on thursday night danny the cowboys are capable of being in the super bowl next season sell us yeah, well, you know, you inspired me to write that article, and I felt bad for taking Tony's first choice, but I wouldn't have if he wouldn't have made his claim secretly. And I would, you know, that's true. It was very cowardly. Tony DM'd me. All of you very publicly, uh, you know, staked your claim. So, Tony, shame on you. But um, I'm sure if Tony would have had this, he would have said something of this nature. And the Cowboys are capable of being in the Super Bowl. And I, I, I listed a few reasons, and I think one of the biggest reasons I that I think that they're going to be good is because. You know, we talked about this already, but, you know, they the way they go about it is they don't sell themselves. They don't go all in for a single year. So they put this put themselves in situations to where they're going to be competitive the, the following year. And I think, you know, you, you look at some of the things going on. The Cowboys aren't going to have to be doing any major overhaul of the roster. They're going to be able to just make some tweaks here and there. And I think that they can be right back in, in the thick of things. I think another one of the big reasons, too, is the fact that Dan Quinn is sticking around. You know, I think a lot of us were just hoping that that would be the case. And sure enough, he is. And I think that can't be stated enough at just how valuable that is. Because if you look at what he's done, remember, McCarthy came along his first year and his first coordinator was just dreadful. But Quinn has completely changed all the players, too. Like even like the Neville Gallimores, who we were optimistic about. No, replaced by Quinn guys like Osa, you know, and everybody. You look around, like, you know, Brandon mentioned Duran Bland. It's like all these lanky guys that are getting their hands on the ball, super aggressive. So I think the the Quinn factor, you get another draft with him, and and you get more development of these young players. I think this defense, I mean, and Hellman would definitely like this. I mean, we were talking about a, a Cowboys defense that is second in DVOA two years in a row under Quinn. I mean, that's that those kind of things travel. We're going to be good again, and it's because of Quinn. Um, but one of the biggest things, is, the the reason is is a, to me is the Dak factor, and we all have our own opinions about Dak Prescott and how he played. But to me, it was a little bit of a down year, certainly a down the stretch. You know, it was it was not great, and I don't think that we're gonna. I don't think that is who he is. I think you're gonna we're gonna see improvements with Prescott there. And so to me, I think I think we're all hoping for like when Dak comes and plays, well, how we know he can play, you know, combined with that defense, it's going to be sensational. And we've got a little bit of a taste of it early on, but then it kind of fizzled. And I think we're going to get more of that taste, you know, next year if, if Prescott can play you know, to his ability. So I think absolutely we're, we can be right back in the situation. But to put you know, the icing on the cake, it doesn't matter. We're still going to have to have things go our way toward the end. We're going to need to get the have the, the the ball bounce our way. We know like Cincinnati could be in the Super Bowl right now if they didn't maybe push Mahomes out of bounds. We don't know. You know, there's so many different things that you can look at and say, well, that could have changed everything. And the Cowboys, they're just never on the good side of that. So they, regardless of how good they are, they're going to have to have some luck their way. Um, and so, but absolutely, they are very capable of being in the Super Bowl next season. But they need to have those things working in their favor. 
What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. I know enough Detroit Lions fans that do think the Cowboys have been on uh, the right side of those breaks. Danny Phantom. Granted, that was almost a decade ago, but you could have argued that certainly, um, you know, was a, a moment that fate smiled upon them. Uh, David Howman, I turn to you. It was super impressive how the Cowboys managed to not regress in the turnover department. They, in fact, outperformed themselves statistically on the defensive side of the ball. Regression is coming. We can sit here and we can hype and gas them up, David Howman, but like, it is very likely that the ter- that the turnovers, that the sacks all dissipate to some degree in 2023. Is that not fair to say? It's fair to say, but I think it's also fair to say that, you know, the offense with some of their shortcomings are due for a, mm, a positive regression towards the mean. And, you know, you're, you're talking about, you know, what, what they're going to do with a running back position. What are they going to do with the wide receiver situation? What are they going to do at tight end? I mean, Dalton Schultz, two years ago, he had a phenomenal season. This year was uneven. He was in and out with injuries. So, you know, I'm not necessarily saying they're going to go out and, uh, you know, if the Chargers cut Keenan Allen, they're going to throw the bag at Keenan Allen. They're going to make some huge move to bring in like superstars. But you have to figure they're probably going to upgrade the wide receiver core in some way. They're going to make some sort of decision at tight end and running back that's going to be more geared towards getting more production and efficiency and explosiveness out of that offense. So I think that, you know, if you, if you have the offense – that this, that was this year when they were at their highs, if you can get that more consistent basis, even with a slight regression on defense, that's still a pretty good product. Tony, um, it felt fair to say at week one last year that the Cowboys were worse on paper, especially with you know everything that we talked about many times, the trading of Amari, the cutting of Lyell, obviously the Randy Gregory situation and some, you know, the Randy thing worked out, whatever. Um, but to Hellman's point, it does kind of feel like they're going to be much better on paper at the very least come week one. Now, again, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean everything, uh, but that has to be inspiring in and of itself. For sure. I mean, I was I thought that 2021 was their best chance. They went 12 and five and lost in a dis- you know, disappointing fashion. And this year, I think they overachieved a little bit. I think for them being 12 and five, winning the playoff game, everything we knew and saw from the from the free agency window to offseason moves like it just felt like there was some type of regression and and i can eat crow on that i mean i i was optimistic but i don't think like i, I was trying to be real on the fact that i thought this was a less talented roster i think we all agree that this team was you know as far as talent goes they there was some roster you know lesser talent there but um i think what they have here is they've built a a great core like like danny mentioned dan quinn and, and his guys and going into the third year of a draft cycle with the people he wants to in that program um mike mccarthy taking the helm i think that's you know we're gonna see what that means but i think it's a positive thing when the guy can take control and, and do his own thing i think that there can be some positive take from that so um yeah on paper the talent is there because they've shown us two years in a row that they're 24 and 10 and they're a you know a double digit uh winning team and they can do it again so i think anything less than that would is uh would be a disappointment but i don't know if i had that same feeling going into this year last year 
Look, I love Dan Quinn, but you guys are like, oh, another draft cycle for Dan Quinn. Great. Another round of Nashawn Wright and Kelvin Joseph. Let's, you know what I mean? Like, let's, let's be fair. Let's, you know what I'm saying? Like we, we, we have to be fair to the entire process. Again, Dan Quinn's awesome, but maybe let Will McClay handle that side of things. Uh, Brandon, um, a, a key factor, I think an underrated factor in why the entire NFC East was so great this season was that not only did they get to play each other and kind of benefit from that in its weird way, but they got to play the AFC South. I mean, you know, it was a very friendly schedule. We sit here and talk about the Eagles' strength of schedule, how it wasn't that formidable. The Cowboys didn't have – I mean, they played the Eagles, obviously, but, you know, the entire division benefited from that. But next year, the division is going to be better, Brandon. I mean, like, so the division might cannibalize itself. That might be what stands in the Cowboys' way. Is that not fair to say? No, it definitely is fair to say. I mean, it's – in the NFC East, they always, they're always they always beating and banging each other anyways. It's You know, you could be you could be in the bottom of the division and take, take the top dog down. It's just – that's just how it goes, and, and it's – there, every I feel like every year you're just you feel like you feel like the Cowboys might be the team to beat in the NFC East. They don't win. The Eagles are the team to beat in the NFC East. They don't win. It, it, it's it's such a rotation. I, you know you, you don't you don't get back to back winners in, in forever. It feels like and it's it's just one of those things where but it makes them stronger. I feel like so even if they go into the the postseason with 11, 11 win season, it, it makes them stronger even against you know against you know maybe porous teams in the AFC South. I mean that's that's fine and all that's fine and great, but I think when you play that level of, of toughness in the NFC East, I think it just makes you a better team. And those tough games are what you need what you need to stack up before the playoffs so you're ready to go when the playoff time comes. Okay. Um, so you all know it is halftime here on the round table, uh, which means we have another half to go. Not quite a half as far as time is concerned, but as far as the game is concerned. Does anybody want to know who's up at halftime? Just tell them it's me. Does anybody have a guess who it is, I guess, outside of Tony? Are they going to perform? Are we going to have a halftime performer? I'm not going to write about this one, but I will write about the one on Sunday. <laughs> um, so does anybody have a thought? Uh, who's leading right now in the roundtable? I think it's Danny. Um, Tony is right. Tony is up by three points at the moment. So, uh, Tony, do you feel like you can come out of the locker room and, and hold on here? It's a scary proposition, but I think I can do it. Um, does anybody have faith? Tony, or does it? Does everybody think he'll blow it? Twenty-eight to three. So if he commits none of us and he's up by three, I like his chances going forward. You know, I'm gonna kneel it out. I mean, you know, he picks up points for other commentary. It's, I mean, his to your point, Danny, like the the cookie he or the cake he baked sucked, but you know what I'm saying? Like the stories he's telling after the cakes y'all bake were really great. You know what I'm saying? Like we're enjoying those cakes, or we're throwing Tony's out. Um, so it just kind of is what it is. Tony, what's your favorite kind of cake? Oh man. Um I like an ice cream cake. Give me a Carvel. Jeez, are you five years old? Like, come on. Let's I mean we you know. Hey, I like Carvel Carvel is good. I can't I can't <laughs> tolerate the hate on that. Oh. Um wow. Um okay, Tony Catalina. Well, you are still in the lead. Uh <laughs> Brandy, we're gonna start with you. Um uh, you were last to pick. In fact, actually you didn't even pick. You barely picked all right before we started the round yeah. table. So good luck defending this and convince by the way, did uh Danny convince anybody? Or did it, yeah. I think everybody was kind of on the like in that mindset though? Like Danny, yeah. you know, you all already like kind of agreed with Danny. So Danny, yeah. you didn't really convince anybody either. You're over here taking shots at Tony. Uh, but so okay, Brandon. Uh, I, I think the final two are going to be the harder ones to convince the group. So you are up first, Brandon Clements. Dak Prescott is capable of playing like Patrick Mahomes and or Jalen Hurts in a playoff run. Now it's worth mentioning to help you out a little bit. Joe Flacco went on a playoff run where he threw 11 touchdowns and no interceptions. We've seen. All sorts of quarterbacks get hot in the playoffs. Hey, no, no helping him, RJ. It's halftime. All right, you know, I'm I'm coaching them up. I'm giving everybody a piece of advice. Um, 
Brandon Clemens. Hey, Nick, Nick Foles did it too. So let's, let's not forget about Nick Foles. I, I hate saying that, but no, yeah, I, I was kind of slacking in our uh, Slack chat. So that was kind of on me. So uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for the heads up uh, to remind me two minutes before airtime. So, yeah, so this was a tough one, but just to run through it, Dak Prescott's winning percentage. Uh, he wins two out of three games. He plays his last two seasons where he uh, he's played in 16 games. He had nearly 40. He had 4,400 yards passing and 4,900 yards passing. So he puts up big numbers. And he also threw for 30 touchdowns plus in those last two full seasons that he played. And then on top of that, his, his completion percentage is among the best in the league, you know, for his career so far. And I, I just think what happened with him this year was it, it was an issue where he had too much confidence in the lack of talented receivers besides CD lamb. And I think, and, I, and I'm okay with that. I, he wants to, he wants to go out there and he wants to take his best shot. I'm okay with it with the aggressiveness, but I think if you get him enough compliment, uh, you know, compliment of the receivers in the draft this year, maybe you pick up somebody in free agency. Michael Gallup's another year post uh, ACL. The pieces get back together. I think I think this uh, this Mahomes hurts run type run could happen. And speaking of running, I, I think Dak can still he's still a little mobile. So if he needs to if he needs to move around a little bit, he can definitely do that. I do think he's I do think he's capable of doing that. I, I don't. I don't see that. I don't understand the hate that a lot of people have for Dak Prescott. I do think he's still in the top ten in the league, and that's—I'll stand pat on that. I, you know, I wouldn't say he's—I wouldn't say he's top three, but a top ten player with, you know, a, a better, a better assortment of players around him. I think he can do this all day long, and if if he can get, you know, Ceedee Lamb keeps progressing, Michael Gallup keeps progressing, they hit on a receiver in the, you know, in the first or second round in this year's draft. I think, you know, and then the, the tight end position, we'll see what happens there. But I think if, you know, if the pieces are together, Dak is the right quarterback to make this happen. He just needs a little bit more help. That's, that's, that's where I stand with him. And by the way, Mahomes, his, I mean, his complimentary receivers, you know, I still think they have a decent compliment. I know they have, they lost Tyree Kill. Well, last time I checked, he has the best pass catcher uh, in, in the NFL with Travis Kelsey. He's the, he's the MVP for non-quarterbacks in the league. So he has a little bit of an advantage there. Hertz also has an advantage where he has A.J. Brown. He also has Devontae Smith and a guy named Dallas Goddard. So he he has – they these guys, those two guys arguably have better weapons than what the, what the Cowboys have given Dak Prescott. So if you give him the same amount of weapons and the firepower, I think he can do the exact same thing as, as, as Mahomes and Hertz. David Hellman, there has been some, um, I guess Dak hates probably the best way to put it. Um, but, um, I mean, I, I, I've, I've said the phrase, it's fair to say a lot tonight, but I do feel like it's fair to have some measured doubt, David Hellman. Like, I mean, there have been a lot of us that have been over the top confident speaking personally. I do feel like that's taken a bit of a hit. That's not to say that we're not still confident, but is that, is that fair to say to use my line of the night? Um, I would say it's not fair to say. Wow. I think that, um... <laughs> I, I think that a lot of the response to uh, to sudden suddenly doubting Dak is just based on the fact of like we still measure QB wins as a stat, even though you know it's it's pretty much been dispelled at this point as far as being a meaningful uh, measure of a quarterback. I mean, he he played kind of okay, was not clearly not as at his best against San Francisco. Jalen Hurts was not that great against San Francisco. I mean. They, he did not like rip that defense apart with his arm. You know, the, that one fourth down conversion where it should have been overturned if they had reviewed it. 
I mean, he overthrew him. It was an incredible catch by the receiver, you know, so maybe it's just that the 49ers defense was really good. Maybe that's why their coordinator got a head coaching gig with the Texans. Um, you know, every quarterback's going to run up against defenses that can make you look bad in, in a game or, or something like that. But Deck has shown throughout his entire career that he can be that quarterback that, that, you know, if it's a close game, you can run that two minute drill. He did it against the Texans. He's done it countless times throughout his career. Uh, and even this year, I mean, he, he was playing pretty well for the majority of the year, even with his offense being completely ripped apart in the offseason, even with, you know, the Cowboys always coming up on third and long and asking him to bail, bail him out. And, you know, I think that's something that also gets kind of forgotten in this season is most of his interceptions, like more than half of his interceptions this year came on third and long. So it, it was plays where they're saying like, hey, we need to get a first down. You have to save us. And so, of course, you're going to be more aggressive. You're going to be more risky. And it didn't work out. But is that Dak's fault for getting them into that situation when the Cowboys are running it on first and second down into a brick wall? I would say no. Tony Catalina, Kevin Wolf says that Dak can never be on Mahomes' level. To be clear, most quarterbacks can't. But but Brandon is right, to get back to Kevin's comment. Dak is a top 10 quarterback, a solid wide receiver, too, and retooling the running back position. Dak is absolutely good enough to win it all. Tony Catalina, that says that it's more about the Cowboys than it is about Dak. So the question here, the point that Brandon is presenting is that Dak can play like Mahomes and or Hurts on a playoff run. It really kind of has nothing to do with Dak. But the story of everything has everything to do with Dak. I mean, where do you fall in all this? I think that's precisely right. I think, um, you know, to be oh. crystal clear, I, th I think Mahomes is, like you said, in a tier of his own. I don't think we could expect or even you know, really fantasize that Dak is going to play at a Patrick Mahomes level. I guess in a playoff run, he could go unconscious and kind of do his thing. But that would be like, this is what Mahomes does. I think he's in a tier of his own. As far as Jalen Hurts goes, this is, in my eyes, a result of the team they built around him. I think that's pretty crystal clear is I still think Dak Prescott is a head and shoulders better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts had a good season, uh, an MVP candidate type season. That's totally fine. And it resulted in the playoffs. But, you know, give it to Howie Roseman. Give it to that front office. Give it to this team for being aggressive. That's not Dak Prescott's fault. Um, you got Noah Brown, who's the fifth wide receiver last year at times. It was the number two this year. Like there were three or four guys on the Eagles that could step in and be highly productive members of this Cowboys wide receiver unit. So I think the team you know, all the things that we knew about them when Amari Cooper was traded are still there, still a problem. So can, to answer the question directly, can he play at a Mahomes and Hurts level in the playoff run? He absolutely could, but the onus is going to be on Jerry, Steven, Will McClay, and those guys to make it happen. Uh, Danny, before we get to you, I do want to put this question up from Watsamata. Who is doing more with less than Dak right now? Does anybody have an answer? You can go non-football if you have an answer that would make sense, uh, just to be very clear here. Anybody? I would say Roy McAvoy when he trained it in the clubs and used like the baseball bat and the rake. Um, that would be um, the one answer I could come up with off the top of my head. I would uh, say MacGyver. That's. <laughs> um, I mean, oh, I I, I, I don't want to do this because there's been too much of this, but I would argue Josh Allen. That would be my only other consideration. Like they are in very similar situations. Uh, Howman, I know that you hate Josh Allen almost as much as you hate Nick Sirianni, but like they are in in like almost symbi like very very parallel situations. Like it's Stephon Diggs is to Josh Allen the way Ceedee Lamb is to Dak Prescott. I mean like. Deck at one point was throwing a Cole Beasley. Like Josh Allen was actually throwing a Cole Beasley. Like we sit here and we talk about like, oh, T.Y. Hilton was getting, Noah Brown was getting targets in the playoff game. Cole Beasley was getting targets in the playoff run for the Buffalo Bills. Brandon Clements. 
you know, watching a lot of Bills football games, yes, they have they have uh, Trayvon's uh, brother, Stefan, obviously. He's one of the best receivers in the game. They also have Gabe Davis. I know he may have had a little bit of a regression this year, but who wouldn't take Gabe Davis on the Cowboys at receiver two right now? I'm just being honest here. And then I mean, I, I feel like they feel similarly about like Dalton Schultz or Michael Gap. Like, I think that happens when you are not a, like a part of the everyday fandom. You know what I'm saying? Like, they probably hate Gabe Davis the way we feel about certain plays. That's all I'm saying. I don't. I, I would. I wouldn't say that because I, I. I do know a lot of Buffalo Bills fans, and then you know what they they know it's Stefan's show, and then they know he. You know they know Gabe is going to play when he. You know he's going to step up when he needs to, and you also got to remember there's a, a Khalil Shakir from Boise State, a, a recent rookie. He's a he's a good he's he's not a coming slot a slot player. Isaiah McKenzie he shows flashes. If the Cowboys had those four guys, I, and I you know obviously I never want to lose CD Lamb, but if you have those you swap swap those four guys in, I guarantee the Cowboys are going further in the playoffs because that that right there Dak can take take that take those foursome to the next level. I'm just trying to answer the question. How about Daniel Jones? Like just just exploring the question. You said do more though. But okay, but who's he's coming close? I mean, you know what I mean? Or, or like relatively close? I mean, like that's you mean, pretty. You mean Brian I mean, Dable? You mean Brian well, I mean, Dable? But still, like I mean, Brian you know, Carson about, Wentz. How about Taylor Heineke? Let's just. <laughs> I actually, I think Washington. Would you, if you could trade the Cowboys pass catchers for Washington's, wouldn't you? Right now, you can have Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. I'm not good. We love CD. I mean, like I love CD, but like if it's CD and Michael Gallup versus those two, that's a, a compelling argument. Our, I'm, I'm with you. I love Jahan Dodson. I, I wish the Cowboys would have got him. He's a hell of a player. Um, wow. Uh, Kevin gave you, Danny, uh, five points for saying you said do more, though. Um, again, it's kind of an interesting question. Um, so interesting to kick around. Uh, Danny, uh, close us out on this subject. Can Dak play like Mahomes or Hurts? Or what was your faith on Dak, et cetera, et cetera? Well, first off, I want to give five of my points to Hellman for the MacGyver comment because that was pretty good. <laughs> Um, uh, no, that's McAvoy, though, even though you laughed, you, you giggled a lot and you have no points I, from me. Interesting. I, I will say this to RJ's credit. I do agree with RJ in the sense that there is some deserved, deserved doubt with Prescott. And, you know, if you look at some of the, the ways played at times, you know, and a lot of these t- instances are where he's coming off some type of injury or maybe he don't trust his grip strength or maybe, you know, with the calf, we all know how, you know, the second half of last year was. So it's, it's understandable to have some doubt, but having said that, absolutely Prescott can, you know, he can go on a heater for sure. We've seen him do it. Of course, you know, it was Kellen was around, so we don't, no, we don't have any idea about what that's going to look like with uh, the, a, you know, a new offensive coordinator and McCarthy calling plays. But I definitely think it's possible. And, you know, there's been some stretches where Dak has looked like the best quarterback in the league. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he, you know, if he had one of those stretches. And I think that the Cowboys, I think Mahomes, to, to his credit, I don't like the fact that Mahomes and Hurts was mentioned in the same, you know, they don't deserve, because you're absolutely right. They're, they're two different. If you switch those, quarterbacks only one of those teams would be in the super bowl um but i do think that prescott has that ability to when he's playing to his ceiling to to definitely be at the josh allen level and at the patrick the only thing is he hasn't done it so no one's going to ever say that 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 he belongs in that category but i do think that it's that it's possible for him to do that uh watsamata has chimed in uh with a super chat so thank you watsamata for the subject and for the super chat says posing a dax interceptions theory what if he was super aggressive late season with limited weapons because we had a legit chance at the super bowl uh watsamata i would only clap back at that um i mean i i would read i would follow bob sturm's opinions anywhere uh bob sturm i want to put words in sturm's mouth 
uh, but kind of speculated across the season that Dak was being aggressive, you know, Danny, somewhat to justify the contract or whatever, like prove he's the guy, right? Like whatever loose narrative you want to apply. Um, but there is the, I mean, there is that too, right? Like once you're, it's so hard to get here, you have to wait an entire year to get to this point. Like there is something that Dak Prescott may be trying to overcompensate. That was for you, Danny Phantom. So I mean, for me, I, I don't, I don't agree with that. I think that, um, Prescott, honestly, I, I, I can't explain why the, I don't have a problem with the picks as much as I had a problem with a lot of the other throws that weren't picked. Um, I really, I don't know what was going on with Dak down the stretch. I think there was times where he just looked really good and times where he didn't know what he's doing. And it could be, could be the play calling, could be a lack of weapons. It could be a lot of things. I don't know. So it's tough to just put all the blame on Prescott, but I know he, he didn't look good. And I don't, I don't, I don't believe it was some type of let's just try this experiment to see what happens. Um, okay. It's time for the final question. And as we get there, um, so each answer like on its own is worth five points. Like, you know, like you felt, you know, in your name on the SAT, you get like points for that. So just like answering the question is worth five points. So David Howman, you were at 25 points. You are last uh, to go. Tony, you have squandered your lead. What a big shock. Uh, you, Brandon, and Danny are all tied at 30 points. So Howman, just by giving your answer here, you're going to tie yourself up. And then it's kind of an open floor. Whoever wants this thing can take it. I specifically saved Howman for last because I figured this would be the most contentious subject. Uh, David Howman, you were very excited about this. Mike McCarthy is a better coach than either of the two Super Bowl coaches. Defend your case. Well, yes, I, I do believe that he is. And I think I'll start with the easy part, which is comparing him to Nick Sirianni. I think that <laughs> there's there's just, I mean, Nick Sirianni is like the scarecrow of coaches. You know, if you think about like Wizard of Oz, like the scarecrow is needing a brain. And Sirianni, I mean, Julian Love the, of the Giants got in some trouble for saying that like he's just in the perfect situation and yeah, Julian Love got burned by the Eagles in both games. You know, he, he doesn't have a lot of room to talk, but he's also kind of right. I mean, we always talk about the Eagles, especially this year about like Howie Roseman is such a genius. He went out, he made all these aggressive moves. You know, he's built the Eagles from, from the trenches out. They have an amazing offensive line, amazing defensive line. They got Devonte Smith last year in the draft and he had a great rookie year. He pairs him with AJ Brown. Um, like, that, that the whole roster was built by Howie Roseman. He gets so much credit. We also know from both the Doug Peterson era and then even since Sirianni and his staff took over, like Roseman is very involved in the game planning week in, week out, and how they actually go about coaching this team. Also, go back to last year, Sirianni started the season calling the plays on offense. It was the first time he's ever done it in his entire career. And they were they started out two and five. They were 22nd in the in the league and offensive EPA per player. He hands over play calling to Shane Steichen, who, by the way, was the offensive coordinator for Justin Herbert's phenomenal rookie year. And guess what? He also turns out to be a pretty good play caller with Jalen Hurts. And they build the whole offense around him. So I, I look at what Sirianni's doing in Philly, and I wonder, like, what does he actually do? And with McCarthy, a lot of people were saying the same thing about him in Dallas, but we know from Green Bay, like, he's a great play caller. They were consistently in the top 10 in offensive DVOA, offensive EPA per play, when he was calling plays. And he actually went and won a Super Bowl. And that transitions into, you know, comparing him to Andy Reid. And I will admit there's a lot less uh, degree of separation between those two. I think Andy Reid's a heck of a coach. But if you're really trying to, to nitpick here, McCarthy actually won a Super Bowl in his first 10 years as a head coach. And then you look at what he's done so far in Dallas, compare it to Reid's first three years in Kansas City, 
He, Andy Reid did not have a single 12-win season. McCarthy's done it twice. Over the first three years, both Reid and McCarthy were 1-2 and two in the playoffs. So you look at what their records are between their first tenure and then their second spot. McCarthy, I think, edges him out just by that much. Mm. Tony Catalina. Yeah, I think um, I'll start off, like you said, it's very easy. I think um, Mike McCarthy is head and shoulders better coach than Nick Sirianni. You know, somebody like me, a little old nobody on Twitter says something to Nick Sirianni and the Eagles fan base comes after me. And then, you know, Julian Julian Love stuck on this for two weeks. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I have to, you know, (laughs) but, you know, Julian Love says something that is 100 percent fact and 100 percent true coming from a player. And then they tell him, oh, he's just scorned. So unless, you know, there's nothing you can say that's going to let people know that, you know, this is the truth. But the fact of the matter is. Nick Sirianni is in a perfect scenario. He, you know, it's not his fault. You can't blame him for that, but he's in a situation with a front office, the GM, everybody was in an aggressive nature to make a move now. Can't blame him for it. It's just the cards he was dealt, and I wish a lot of us were in that position, but we're not. Um, and so I think Mike McCarthy's track record, like a lot of things Hamid said, Mike McCarthy is a coach who has a Super Bowl winning pedigree. If Nick Sirianni wins, then yeah, of course, then he's got one as well. But, um, you know, it takes a little bit of luck. It takes some skill. But I think overall, Mike McCarthy is a better coach in totality. The Andrew Reid situation is a little more interesting, right? I think, can you knock Andy Reid for getting a generational quarterback? I, I don't think that's fair. You know what I mean? So like, what would this team look like if it was still Alex Smith, right? I think we've figured out when you get Patrick Mahomes and you get somebody who is going to be in rarefied air, it changes your legacy. Look at the way Bill Belichick is looked at and then look at what Tom Brady did when he went to Tampa Bay and that kind of tarnished Bill Belichick just a hair after everything that's gone on in New England. So, um, Andy Reid, Mike McCarthy, much more of a comparable fight argument. If you want to say Andy Reid is better than Mike McCarthy, I guess that's fair. But I think an argument could be made for Mike. The Nick Sirianni thing to me, it's a, it's a landslide. I think Mike McCarthy is a much more better quarterback. Uh, excuse me, coach than uh, Nick Sirianni at this time. By the way, remember when everybody used to like take their laps about Andy Reid and clock management and and timeout management? Like that was a thing. Like people act like it's only Mike McCarthy. Like or people, first of all, act like it's a bigger deal than it actually is. But people act like McCarthy's the only person, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Brandon Clements, because we have to save Danny Fandom for last. Yeah, it, it's the Sirianni thing. I think we I think we all agree. I mean, and not, not only is he a stooge, but he's, uh, you know, he, he's not even close to Mike McCarthy as a coach. Mike McCarthy's already, you know, already won a Super Bowl. He's a proven guy. He's, you know, he's got 166 career wins as a coach in the NFL. Uh, Sirianni doesn't even touch that. He, I mean, yeah, it's granted he's been in the league for, you know, as a head coach for a shorter time. He's also got one of the best, you know, the best, you know, teams in the league right now. I hate to say that, but you know, if you can't get to the Super Bowl with the allotment of talent that you have, what what are you doing as a head coach in the NFL? Now, Mike McCarthy and Andy Reid. As much as I like McCarthy, it's not close in my book. Uh, you know, Andy Andy Reid. Andy Reid is, is a hell of a coach, regardless of all the the narratives from back in the day. And I remember it very vividly as a you know, once again Donovan McNabb, Syracuse uh, quarterback. You know, he played Aww. he played for. Play for the Eagles, so uh, you know that Super Bowl that was not that was not a lot of fun. But that that's that, that can't be all on Andy Reid. I don't think that it, I don't think that's the case. And just by the numbers, Mike McCarthy is you know he's he's a fifty two percent winner in the postseason. Mike uh, Andy Reid is fifty six point eight, and then over the careers, sixty three and a half percent for Reid, and then Mike McCarthy sixty one. So the percentages are very, very close. But the difference to me is Reid's a two time maybe soon to be three-time Super Bowl winning champion. And Mike McCarthy is still sitting at one. 
So at this point, and there's 102 different, 102 difference in wins totals from both coaches. And Mike, Mike McCarthy could get there, sure. But at this standpoint, if we're talking about right now, it's Andy Reid, no questions asked. Danny Phantom. Well, I'm really proud of Brandon for, for, for coming in there and uh, defending Andy Reid like that's because it's absolutely absurd to be – this is not even a debate. I mean, I know McCarthy had – we're, we're asking – we're not talking about overall, but we're talking about right now, right? So, I mean, th- this isn't even close. I mean, Andy Reid is one of the best coaches in the league. He's he's completely – every – I mean, what is it, five in a row AFC championships? I mean, he's wow. he's made – I mean, it's, I guess that's good. We don't know what his conference well, championship cons- is like. Let's consider but. what he's working with. I mean, to be fair, but you're you are you're not wrong. Like I'm, nobody here is saying he deserves no credit. To be very yeah, fair. and also too, I think and Brandon made a good point. You know, going back to his Philly days too. I mean, that team was the. I think I feel like they were in some conference championships quite a bit, or you know, early on too. And I never thought he was the problem in Philly too. So oh, it was I awesome just, when they fired him. Yeah, it was. Yeah, to me. So any read to me that, that, that that's that's easy. As much as you know, I, I do like I don't credit McCarthy enough, as you guys like to say. But um, now for the other one, uh, I don't know that because I, I agree with what lots lot has been said. I think what Howie Roseman has done is has been just phenomenal. And I mean, he the way he flipped Carson Wentz, it was like Dwight Schrute, you know, taking in, uh, Andy Bernard's car. You know, he just completely duped them and i think that what how he's been able to turn that and the draft capital and the fact that they what they got the like the numbered 11th pick or something they have the, the 10th upcoming, pick from new orleans 10th, oh geez so i mean it's just it's crazy so i mean a lot of credit goes goes there so but i don't want to like sell uh seriani short because I mean, i'm sure he's done some good things it's tough for me to identify that and, and not knowing who's doing you know the good work in philly so to speak so i don't know about that i mean i i and also, I just hate Sorani so much. It's, it's. I, I mean, I don't even. As much as I don't like McCarthy, I don't think I'm gonna. I would give him that over over our coach. So to me, I, I lean slightly above McCarthy's above Sirianni, but um, cause, slightly cause above. Slightly above, because to me, it's TBD for both of those guys. But the other, the other one, it's not even. It's not even question. How many you raised your hand first? Yeah, another thing that I was thinking of, like while everyone else was discussing, when we're talking about McCarthy versus Reed, everybody discounts everything that McCarthy did in Green Bay because they said, oh, he had a phenomenal, you know, generational quarterback and Aaron Rodgers by him. Andy Reed has Patrick Mahomes, but Mahomes is, I th- I would say he so far has been better than Aaron Rodgers was at this point in his career. And he is just absolutely on another level with the way that he plays the game. And, you know, you talk about, like, losing Tyreek Hill, and he's even better. And, you know, maybe we'd get some credit for that in terms of development, but some of that is also just Mahomes being that generational. Reed still get all of that credit when McCarthy, whenever someone talks about what he did in Green Bay, they're like, oh, he had Rodgers. Um, Brandon, you also raised your hand. Yeah, I mean, uh, Helma makes a good point, but, I mean, I'm not one of those guys where, you know, McCarthy, you know, he was only, you know, he was only a proponent of, of Aaron Rodgers, you know, being the quarterback for all those years in Green Bay. You still got to coach the team. You still have to get the team ready for the game. So it's, you know, you're, you're, you know, yes, Rodgers is a hell of a, hell of a quarterback. Mahomes is obviously a hell of a quarterback. So to me, it's, you know, that's, they both have done well. I just think Andy Reid is just, he, he's just such a, he's such a great coach. And let's be honest. You know, you have you have an Eric Bieniemy who's who's going up for these uh, the, these head coaching gigs. 
And, and let's be honest, Andy, it's still Andy Reid's show. Andy Reid is still putting that offense together, let's be honest. And he has one of the best offenses in the league. Yes, sure, Patrick Mahomes is in it. But guess what? You still have to design the plays. You still have to have the right play calls to put Mahomes and Kelsey and those guys in the right places to succeed. Tony? I mean, the play devil's advocate here, I mean, the same things we were knocking Nick Sirianni for were, like, praising Andy Reid for. Like, I mean, Nick Sirianni's sitting there being, you know, he's clapping on the sideline and taunting cameras because he's a goofball. But at the same time, like, we have – you know, Andy Reid as Eric Bieniemy, right? Mike McCarthy this year, it's going to be on him. So we're going to know that definitively, right? We we can say Andy Reid calls these plays and he's designing it, but when you have a generational talent who is what I think his number was ten and three in playoff games, like, and he's been to you know AFC, he's never played a road playoff game in his entire NFL career. That's insane to think about. So that that is something that you can't quantify like you can't even say like you know if you had one of these we'd look great yeah of course if i if we had one of those we'd look great too so um you know, taking nothing away from andy reed because your resume is what it is but i think you can take the plus and the minuses and understand when a situation is probably not uh you know apples to apples um before we crown the winner i am inspired by what's so i'm going to ask a question but before we do i just may need some nods to make sure we all agree the three most important people in the overall scheme of an nfl team head coach general manager quarterback right we all agree like we can kind of debate the particulars but like you need those three to be like elite at their jobs if you want obviously your football team to be elite right we, we can talk about like your star pass rusher star corners whatever blah blah but head coach gm quarterback so to piggyback off of what's who is doing more with less than Mike McCarthy right now. Because we just sat here and we threw all sorts of flowers at, at Howie Roseman, rightfully so. We threw all sorts of flowers at Andy Reid for Patrick Mahomes. I mean, in that sense, like, you know, Mike McCarthy's beat. I mean, what 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 of the of the core principles of being a head coach would you, if you're Andy Reid or if you're Nick Sirianni, would you trade with Mike McCarthy? I mean, you know, like, I, I think you can make an argument that Dak is still a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. It's a hard argument to make right now. Some people would still do it, but it's it's a it's a losing argument in a lot of ways. So, you know, you might not even prefer the quarterback. So maybe neither of these coaches prefers the quarterbacks. Neither of these coaches prefers their GMs. I don't think Brett Veach has gotten enough love in this conversation that we're having here. I mean, so Mike McCarthy is extremely limited from a GM standpoint. We sat here and talked about how the Cowboys weren't aggressive, blah, blah, blah. I mean, so when we compare him to these two coaches specifically, he has much less to work with in the overall scheme. Anybody disagree? Yeah, no, I, I think he's the, I think he's the weak link of all those things. And you look at, I mean, I don't, I don't even really know what the Chiefs GM does. I mean, they they cycle in players, and I got to give them credit because they 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 do well. But I don't know who these guys are. So I feel like it's mostly it's Mahomes and Reed that's doing the work there. And I think that if you look at McClay and Dak and. I think that McCarthy's the weakest of it, of the three. I don't think he's doing more with. I think he's he's got things around him to be successful. And um, you can make an argument that Nick Sirianni's the weakest of the three, right? Like of the, of those three, of his quarterback and his general manager. I mean, so like could. being the weakest isn't like an he, embarrassing he thing. Is in my book. Yeah. So that, that I mean, that's, so that's all I'm saying. And and so like if they're both the weakest, and Nick Sirianni has Howie Roseman, like he's and if we consider Dak and Jalen equals. Right, like his situation is more favorable, right? Like if you if you have to pick the situation to be a head coach in right now, Dallas, Philly, or Kansas City, and your job is to have success, where would what what would be your your pecking I think, order? I don't if, honestly, Roseman's such a gambler. Like you could be you could take your team to the Super Bowl this year and then be fired a couple of years later, and the new coach will come to the Super Bowl because he's always just taken all. I mean, well, that's actually happened in Philadelphia. I mean, so uh, 
So, I mean, I don't, so I would not, I don't think I would want that. I would not be asking for a Howie Roseman. Um, so did, um, did Howman convince anybody? I guess he convinced Tony, I don't, but Tony kind of held that belief anyway. Did anybody change their mind based off of what Hammond said? He's None of you changed your minds off him. of anybody, by the way. The, just the, the Andy Reid thing was too hard for him. I mean, that's. Wow. Uh, well, we do have a winner. It is not David Hellman. It is not Danny Phantom. Tony, what a surprise. You blew it. Brandon Clements, tonight's round table winner. Congratulations, Brandon. Oh, my gosh. You did it. I wish we had some confetti and some everything to kind of uh, set off into the abyss. How are you feeling here? That's great. I, I got through a broadcast without any uh, uh, technical glitches, so that's True. a positive. We, we got the kinks worked out about five minutes before the show, so it's a good all-around night. I thought we had a lot of great back and forth. There was a lot of great banter, and, and, and as always, the rest of you guys, you guys are fantastic, and, and it's a lot of fun to hang out with you guys every every Tuesday. Brandon, I would like you to hand out a silver medal and a bronze medal, and then subsequently oh. like a non-medal, um, so that's up oh, to you. God. Oh, man. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go silver medal. Uh, I'm gonna go phantom. Uh, you know, phantom makes some. He's made some really good points, especially towards the end. And then uh, Tony Hellman. I, I, you know, I love you guys both. Um, I'll just flip a coin. I'm just gonna go with Hellman. Sorry, Tony. Then <laughs> <laughs> McNabb love. It's messing him um. up. Wow. Um, well, I guess we'll go in order. Danny, how do you feel? Um, you're at you you're at the podium. You know what I mean? Like you came all this way, you know what I mean, to the summer games and, and didn't come away with the goal, but you're going home with something around your neck. That's something to be proud of. I feel really good. I think that Brandon is well deserved. He would have been my choice for tonight's roundtable winner, too. So good job, RJ. There. So and, and I'm thankful that he selected me and and you know, and also that he didn't pick me to get nothing. Um, so but you know, no, a great job uh, all the way around mostly. And uh, no, I feel pretty good about it. Uh, David Hellman, you are also at the podium, granted the shortest, you know, uh, height of all of your uh, fellow winners. How do you feel? You don't get to hear your national anthem, but you have to stand here and hear Brandon's. Um, are you happy to be here? Are you happy to not be last? Yeah, I'm absolutely overjoyed. And you know what? I, I'm always the tallest person in any room I'm in anyway. So being on the shorter podium doesn't really bother me that much. Mm, okay tony you're watching from the crowd um you know what i mean like the only person single person there like solo han style um it's only it only ensures that i'm gonna win like nick seriani for now on i'm gonna be obnoxious i'm gonna be <laughs> annoying so when i win it's gonna be a problem <laughs> um, wow um i had nothing to tony, do with them the you get to make the noise tonight though right that's still a win you know what, Tony? You do get to make the noise so that everybody walks away with something. They got the, um, you know, the medals. And Tony Catalina, in the spirit of the Super Bowl, I would like you to give us um, a sound effect of a bowl swirling around, or excuse me, a, a spoon swirling around a bowl of cereal as, like, you've just put the milk in, so you need to, like, lather it up. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the sound I want to hear. You're, you're trying to mix all your cereal in and get it like properly, you know, soaked so you can eat it. RJ deserves that sound, Tony. You did good. What are you going to do there?
What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.